Today, I, um, I don't have a message. I, I want to share with you today uh, a few things that came out of our time on sabbatical. Um, the Lord spoke during that time, um, spoke to Cheryl and I both at, at many different times, and there were some things in there that, uh, that were really good. And so <clears throat> if, if I seem a little off, I'm going to, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going to share with you from my journal today some of the things the Lord spoke to me uh, while we were on the break. And I, I feel like he wants me to share this. I was fully prepared to write a message, but I felt like he wanted me to share this because he wants you to trust us. He wants you to trust us where we're going. He wants you to trust our leadership. He wants you to trust that we're good. He wants you to trust us as shepherds of this flock. He wants us, he wants you to trust us. And so in order for you to trust us, it it, it really helps when you know how we relate to the Lord, how we talk to Jesus, how Jesus talks to us. It helps that you know what kind of condition we're in. And so I'm going to open up the book today. This is my journal, and, and I'm going to share with you three things that the Lord, uh, the Lord and I talked about <laughs> during sabbatical, and before I get into that, I want to just kind of give you a timeline. It took us about four weeks to let the weight go. It wasn't, at week four, we, we were able to go up to Colorado, and <laughs> we almost didn't come back. <laughs> slept without an air conditioning. Can you believe people sleep without an air conditioning? Oh my God, like the house didn't have no air conditioning. It happens. And their mosquitoes were nice. Like they would just land on you and then you could just pat them and they would die. We almost didn't come back and tell you those two things alone. But week four, we, we hit a, a, a Everything kind of lifted. We were in Colorado, and it was just a change of place, I think, that did it. And um, it was a beautiful place. We were on a 35-acre place on the mountains, and we had um, trails to, to climb and walk and all this different stuff. And there was this little cabin up in the, the mountain, and I called it the Jesus Cabin because I met Jesus there. <laughs> it, was, it was just a really cool cabin. And so while we were there... By the time week four hit, midway through the sabbatical, we, there was clearly some things the Lord wanted to deal with in our hearts. Um, Cheryl has, has some things, and, and I had some things, and some of ours intertwined. And, and so here's the three things. I, I, was, I was sitting there at the cabin, and I had three issues I needed to talk to Jesus about. Do you ever have an issue? You ever feel like you need to talk to somebody about it? Can I just encourage you that Jesus is the best person in the world and outside of this world to talk to about your issues? In fact, I would encourage you to talk to him about your issues before you talk to anybody else about your issues. Because other people will bring more confusion to your issues, and then that's just more Jesus has to unpack. But if you'll just go straight to Jesus with your issues, then you'll settle it faster, and you won't have to deal with all the drama of unwinding this and unwinding that. So Jesus and I went and talked about three issues. And he told me, he said, he said, he said bring your, your journal you're going to write. I said, okay. Um, here's the three issues, and this is what I'm going to talk about today. Um, the first one, the first issue that came up during sabbatical was 
the issue of responsibility. Um, and, it w- and, and at first I didn't know what, what, the, what the Lord was trying to tell me about this issue of responsibility. I always thought responsibility is a good thing, right? I mean, it's good to be responsible. And I was always taught, you be responsible, be responsible. And, and in my strengths, in my personality strengths, my responsibility is really high in my strengths. So I take, I take what I do seriously, <laughs> sometimes probably too serious. You don't have to say amen. Um, <laughs> but, but I take a lot of things serious and I take responsibility like it's, it's up there. What I learned, though, is that responsibility can sometimes go haywire. And I was taking responsibility for some things that weren't my responsibility. And that was your spiritual growth. And so that was the first issue, was responsibility for others' spiritual growth. And the second issue was, is I felt like at times God and I had this boss-like relationship where I only saw him as a boss, as a taskmaster. It wasn't a very prominent thing. It was more subtle. But, but how I related to him and how I heard from him and how I talked to him had a lot to do with, with like this boss type of mentality. Does that make any sense? It was kind of like I saw God as a boss. That was the second issue. The third issue was, is I was struggling to enjoy good pleasures. I was struggling to enjoy good pleasures. Um, The Bible tells us to guard our heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Part of guarding your heart is, is first off, exploring what is in your heart and inviting God by the Holy Spirit to come in and examine what's in your heart. And so that's what we did. So I I walk up, climb up the mountain to this little cabin in the woods. It was a beautiful little cabin. I want to go when it's snowing by myself because Jesus is there. (laughs) It's not the only place he is. but So I I sat down and grabbed my journal and my Bible and I said, all right, Lord, here's the three issues. I said, I hear you talking to me and I just need to I need to get some answers from you. And, and part of the reason I'm telling you this is because not only do I want you to know how I relate to the Lord, but also maybe you'll find something in how I relate to the Lord that will help you relate to him. Maybe you'll see some of his character and his nature and how he and I had a conversation and he brought answers to me. So I want you to see all of that if you can. I said, I got three issues. I told him what the issues are. He said, great. He said, uh, let's go. He said, number one, what's your first issue? I said, uh, responsibility keeps coming up. And I feel like it's responsibility for growth, for spiritual growth of people. I feel like anytime it doesn't seem like somebody's growing that's under my care, it's my fault. And, and, and I didn't realize it, but I, it, was, it was subtly starting to grow in my heart this this discouragement at times when, when people that I truly love and I pour myself into aren't growing like maybe even I expected them to grow. There was some unrealistic expectations in there, but there was also some, some for some folks, it was just some reluctance to grow. And, and I took responsibility for that, and it was starting to wear down my soul. It was starting to, to, to bring me, to discourage me some. And I was like, man, why? Why am I getting discouraged in ministry? Why am I getting discouraged as a pastor at times when people aren't growing? It, it affected me. I would lose sleep. I would get nervous. I would be anxious. I'd find myself discouraged. And so 
the Lord's kind of funny. He goes, he goes, all right, responsibility. He said, tell me about your cows. I was like, do you really want to hear about my cows? <laughs> he said, tell me about your cows. I said, okay. So I started writing stuff down about my cows. So here's, here's what I know about cows. I'm bringing you with me now. It's... This is what I know about cows. If they don't eat and drink, they die. How do you know that? I lost many cows. <laughs> Over half. If they don't eat enough... They struggle to live. Cows only want to eat what they like. And if you don't put any pressure on them to move and to, and to step out of that, they only eat what they like and they leave everything else there to die. And when reality is, is what they don't like is sometimes more of what they need than what they do like. Does that make sense? Sometimes you need to eat, come on somebody, forgive me for this, you need to eat a salad. Sometimes you need to eat some vegetables. If you were here for our, our, health, um, our health conference, uh, Lindsay talked about trying new foods, and she said you need to try something at least eight times before you determine whether or not you like it. And so I don't like asparagus. So Cheryl was cooking asparagus, and she was on me about trying asparagus. I said, Lindsay said you got to try it eight times before you, before you decide if you like it. And I said, okay. I broke off a piece about this big. I put it in my mouth. I chewed it eight times, and I spit it out. I said, I don't like it. <laughs> it was eight chews. It didn't get any better. Can I get an amen? Whoa. Oh. I'm not trying asparagus again. I don't care how holy you are. <laughs> Y'all might have grown over the eight weeks, but I ain't eating some asparagus. I'm just telling you right now. But he told me, he said, if they, I said, if they don't, they don't eat they, they, and drink, they die. If they don't eat enough, they struggle to live. And they only want to eat what they like. And to get a, get a complete diet for cattle, you have to force them into places they don't want to go. You need to move them. You got to move them off of this grass because otherwise they'll only eat what they like down to the dirt and then there won't be nothing else and then they'll, they'll eventually die. Cows eat as much as they, they can and then they lay down and they chew. If you ever see a cow laying down, don't call the, home, the, the, the rancher and say your cow's dead. He's just sitting down chewing his cut. Yeah. Unless he's laid over sideways and his belly's about that big, then you call the rancher, but... Cows, once they eat enough, they sit down. And if you ever notice, if you ever notice, I'm going to teach you something about cows. If you ever notice when you drive by a pasture and you see a cow and the cow's doing this, it's a, it's a very unique thing. They're throwing up in their mouth and re-chewing supper. And then they swallow it, then they throw it up and they chew it again, and they swallow it and they throw it up and they chew it again. They're squeezing every bit of nutrients out of that blade of grass that we don't like, but that turns into beef. Right? They're squeezing the nutrients out of the grass. Come on, this is really spiritual. Some of you are just really missing it because you're fasting. No, I'm, being, I'm being serious. Like, this is really spiritual. Some of you only read what you want to read, what you like to read. Some of you only study what you like to study. Some of you only hear the gospel the way you like to hear the gospel. Some of you only want what you want because you like it, and you don't want what God has for you because you don't like it. 
But in order to thrive, in order to live, in order to, to go and do and enjoy the favor of the Lord, you're going to have to do some things, eat some things that you don't like. And so I found myself frustrated as a pastor because I wanted people to move to this pasture and eat some of this grass, but they didn't want to eat that grass. Cows need peaceful pastures to chew thoroughly. Cows don't do well when you, when you stress them out. They don't do well when you scare them. They actually lose weight when they're stressed. If that would be true for me. <laughs> come, on, come on, some of y'all, we'd be skinny. <laughs> they need peaceful pastures to chew thoroughly. They scare and scatter easy. They need to know that they can trust you. Cows are, are a lot like sheep. Cows are very nervous. They, can, they, they need to know that they can trust you. So if somebody else walks into my pastures and they just bust into my pastures, my cows are going to run. But if I come into my pastures, somehow or another, they recognize me and they don't run. They need to trust you. If you can't trust your shepherd, something's wrong. Cows are trainable if you work with them consistently. They can even predict your next move. When we work our cows, we've been working them for five or six years now, the same way every time, just to be consistent. And my cows know when I let out the cow cry, yoop, 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 come on, girls. That's what I say. And the bull still comes. He don't know what he is. He has, an, he has a gender problem. An identity issue. <laughs> Actually, he don't. <laughs> but they come a running, and then, and then when they know where, then they realize where we're going, they'll pass me up and get to the shoots before I will. They can even predict where you're going next. They require strong boundaries. Now, I want to talk about boundaries for just a second because some of us like boundaries and some of us don't like boundaries. I've had plenty of cows get out. I know the sheriff's department from Acadia Parish's phone number by heart. My cows have gotten out many times because my boundaries weren't strong enough. My boundaries weren't secure. Here's the thing about boundaries. Boundaries keep us where we're supposed to be, but they also protect us from outside things coming in. Come on. And sometimes the cows think what's on the outside of the boundary is better for them than what's on the inside of the boundary. And the shepherd's going, don't you go out that boundary. And they go out that boundary and they don't come back. I had a cow one time. She was plumpy, chunky, and round. And she saw some Johnson grass on the other side of the fence. And she decided to cross the fence to eat the Johnson grass. She ate the Johnson grass, got poisoned by it, and died. They require strong boundaries. They can, re they can reproduce well. I'm going to get a little bit graphic here for a minute. They can reproduce well if they're healthy. What's healthy? Healthy is not too fat and healthy is not too skinny. A cow can be too fat to breed. It can be too skinny to breed. A Christian can be too fat for their own good. I'm not talking about your body. Can be too skinny. 
Funny thing about cows is other cows know when it's time for the one cow to reproduce. They'll start pushing on it, doing strange things to it to indicate that that cow is ready to reproduce. Do you know as Christians we're called to reproduce, to go and make disciples? And you know it's not just my responsibility to tell you that it's time to reproduce, but it's even the people around you. It's their responsibility somewhat to tell you when it's time, but it's your responsibility to know when it's time to reproduce. And if you're not intentional about reproducing, then what are you shooting for? Once they reproduce, they require a lot of protection, a lot of care, a lot of oversight, and some extreme nutrition. They need a lot of care. Uh, Once their calf is grown, they've calved, they had a calf, they require weaning. Weaning's a stressful moment. It's one of the most stressful times in a cow's life because you pull the calf from the mom. But if you do it carefully, it can be successful. It's hard to take somebody, disciple them, And then one day launch them out and send them off if you've done it well. Come on. Sometimes it's different. Some of you look at me like you have no clue what I'm talking about. That scares me. If, If you have older kids, there's a weaning process. You think weaning is when they stop nursing on you. No, bro. Weaning's when they leave, leave your crib. You've been waiting, oh, I can't wait for the kids to leave my house. Then when they leave your house, you're sitting in the corner crying your eyes out. How you know, Pastor? That was me. And so, <laughs> that's what I know about cows. They're made to reproduce. They're made to eat for themselves. They're made to stay within the boundaries, to be protected, and also to be cared for. And the Lord said to me, he said, have you ever made a cow eat? I said, no. Like, how would you make a cow eat? And I had this visual in my mind. I'm walking up next. I got one cow that I can walk up next to and pet. Her name's Rosebud. She's a dairy cow. She lives at the house. She's never going to go anywhere until she dies. She's currently nursing two orphan calves. She's the best mom in the world. I could probably walk up to Rosebud and grab her lips and put her mouth on the ground and do like this. Okay, that's the visual I had. This is where my responsibility was getting unhealthy. I was trying in some way, shape, or form to take you and make you eat on what you needed to eat on, and I was getting unhealthy in the process and not even doing you a favor by trying to do that. All I can do as a shepherd is take you into the green pastures that the Lord leads me to, set up some good boundaries to protect you, care for you, make sure that you have water, make sure that there's good nutritious grass in front of you, but you have to eat. You have to eat. So today, I quit the responsibility of your spiritual growth. I will be your pastor. I will be your shepherd. I will do the best I can to bring you into the pasture. But you're going to have to eat. If you don't eat, you're going to die. If you barely eat, you're going to struggle to live. Some of you are struggling because you don't even need to struggle because you won't feed yourself. You're not taking your spiritual growth serious enough. 
Who's responsible for my spiritual growth? Me, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's who's responsible for my spiritual growth. I'm as mature, I'm as grown as I want to be. God has sent other people along the way, like Pastor Bubba, Pastor Josh, some other men that have influenced me, some women that have helped me, but they're not, they're not, I can't take my responsibility and place it on them for my spiritual growth. That's foul. I do you an injustice when I try to be Jesus to you. And I have been guilty of trying to be Jesus and the Holy Spirit to some of you. And I want you to hear this. I apologize. Because that was not my responsibility. It was not. I'm to be used by the Lord, but I'm never to become the Lord. He never once makes a substitute for himself. He never once brings in an alternative to himself. So he said, be a good pastor, be a good shepherd, bring them in the fields, put them on the green grass, set up the boundaries, make sure they're cared for, protected, put them in the perfect place to grow, and let me deal with the growth. I feel freed up already. (laughs) And I don't want you to hear this. Let me just qualify this for a second. I'm not saying that you did that to me. I'm saying that I allowed this to happen in my own life. Now, some of you have wanted me to be or us to be certain things, and we've allowed you to want that. We've allowed you to get that to some degree. No more. But that's on me. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just healthy. And I'm going to be really excited to watch you grow. Because now I can put my attention on pastures and boundaries and, and grass and water and protection. And then Jesus, and I can watch Jesus come in and do the growing. Does that make sense? So that was the first issue. Second issue is this boss-like relationship with God. I said, God, I just feel like sometimes I see you as a boss and not like a father and I know your father. I know your father. I've, I've related to you as a father before, but like, I just I have this tendency to go to default into boss mode. And so this is what he said. He said, who are the best bosses you've had? I was only able to name one. <laughs> I had a lot of bad bosses. It was like, God. In fact, I told the Lord that. I said, Lord, I've had a lot of bad bosses. He said, yeah, they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> so I told him, I wrote down some stuff about the one good boss that I had and he said, it's good. He said, bosses aren't all bad. This is what he told me. He said, there, are some, there, there is some good in all of them. He said, but this is what you need to understand about bosses is bosses are there for the job only. The only reason they're a boss is because they got a job to do. And bosses only care about the job. This can kind of spread out throughout the whole thing. I mean, like, this is, this is big. Like, So he asked me a question. He said, what makes me a good father? And so I started writing some things down. You're always present. You protect. You provide. You listen and you speak. 
You're always ready for a conversation. I've never showed up for a conversation. The Lord said, no, I ain't talking to you today. I've never had an issue and went to the Lord with, and he said, I don't know, I ain't got time for that. Get with my assistant. <laughs> They'll schedule you for an appointment. I've never had the Lord do that to me. He's always ready for a conversation. Do you know, though, there's times that I've, I've sat down to have a conversation with him and we didn't have a conversation? You know, it's not because he didn't want to have the conversation. It was because I didn't want to quiet myself enough and let the distractions go enough to sit there and hear his voice. He was talking the whole time, but I couldn't hear him because my soul was screaming. My, my emotions were out of control and I couldn't, I couldn't hear him. He's always there. He's always there. He never not shows up. If you're not hearing from the Lord, you need to ask the question, what do I need to change? What do I need to quiet? What's, what's got me keep, what's preventing me from hearing from God? What's, it, what's preventing me from relating to God? I said, you, you care about me before you care about what I'm, I've done or what I'm doing. So true. I say, you love me perfectly. I said, I've rarely, rarely seen your anger. I said, and you've healed me many times. And so this was his response. If, that is what, if that's what makes me a good father, start enjoying that. And in the process, you'll discover more. Is it okay if it's that simple? Is it okay if it's just like, I know God this way right now. Can I just enjoy the way I know God right now? And as I enjoy the way God is right now and how I know him right now, then I'll, in the process, I'll discover more. Is that okay? Is it okay just to enjoy God how you know him right now? I don't have to enjoy him like, like anybody else does. I get to enjoy God like I know him right now. And here's the third one. This one's kind of personal. <laughs> Not that the others haven't been, but this one's kind of personal. So I don't know what week it was, maybe week three, week two. I was, I was, um, <clears throat> I was watching one of my favorite preachers on YouTube. And uh, he, he uh, had a great message. And at the end of his message, he led his congregation in a prayer time, but it was like a ministry time for the whole congregation. It had a lot of inner healing components to it. I've been through inner healing, and, and, and I know I recognize the, the components of it. And it, was, it had some inner healing components, which is basically this. You invite the Holy Spirit in to speak to you about certain things, or sometimes you just invite him in to speak to you, and he brings up the things. Does that make sense? And so I, I participated, and I don't always participate with the YouTube prayer time. Just being real. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm done. Come on, you know you do it too. <laughs> and so I participated, and I'm, I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm in the recliner, and, and I'm praying, and I'm inviting the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and he, man, he, he touched something. And it was an issue with my mom. And, and it has to do with good pleasure. And when it hit me, I, I was just kind of like nailed back. I just kind of went, oh. 
He said, you're struggling to enjoy the goodness of God and the good pleasures of this life because there were some things that you weren't given. And I'm always cautious about that because I don't want to blame my mama for everything that's wrong in my life. You know what I'm saying? I love my mama. My mama was a great mama. There was nothing wrong with her. It's just honestly, she wasn't perfect. She's human, right? And, and so I'm always cautious for that because I don't want to blame something on somebody else, especially somebody I love. And so the, the prayer time ended and I went to my office and I grabbed my Bible and my journal. And, and honestly, y'all, I was wrecked. I was like seriously wrecked. Like I... I and thank God nobody else was home because I was just about to lose it and eventually did. And went to my office. And, and what I realized, what the Holy Spirit had showed me was that as a child, my mama was so busy raising me that she didn't nurture me. Now, I, I don't want to seem like a pansy here in front of all you men, but honestly, I don't really care. My mama didn't nurture me. We didn't hug very often. That was one of the things. It's like, I, don't, I can't remember a hug from my mama, like just a walking by, just give you a big squeeze. I do it to my girls and my son and my wife all the time, but like, I don't remember getting that from my mom. I don't remember leaning on her shoulder. I don't remember. I remember dancing with my mom at my wedding, and, and, and that was a special moment, but there's not many other things I remember about my mom being nurturing and caressing and, and touchy and feeling. Here's what's crazy is my, one of my strongest love languages is touch and feel. And so the very thing that my heart was longing for was the very thing I wasn't getting. And so I, didn't, I wasn't able to, this is what the Holy Spirit, after he sorted it out, he, he was able to show me that I, I don't know how to enjoy good pleasure because I don't know what good pleasure is. Is this making sense? And so I'm, I'm, I'm in my office, and I'm losing it, and I'm starting to cry, and then I start lamenting. What's lamenting? Lamenting is telling God what you feel, how you feel. I was mad because something was stolen from me. I've had a lot of struggles over the years with, with unhealthy pleasures, and they've wrecked my life at different times, and I, and I hated it, and I hate that part of my life, but, but it's like I was just mad. So I'm just telling you, it's not fair. It's not right. It's not, I can't believe it. Like, I didn't get what I was supposed to get. I'm, I'm mad, Lord. I can't believe this. And I cried it out. I'm talking about one of them cries from the deepest part of your guts. You know what I'm talking about, where your stomach's sore the next day? Cried it out. Just let it all go. And so that's the issue I went to him with. I said, Lord, I don't know how to enjoy good pleasures. I don't know how to just relax and enjoy the good things that are around me. So we're sitting up in the mountain on the, the little cabin, and he says, all right, what do you enjoy the most? I said, I enjoy Cheryl. Time together, laughing, cutting up. The girl's crazy. Straight crazy. <laughs> She's funny. She'll mess up a serious moment in a heartbeat. <laughs> I love the intimacy with her, and that's not just sex. That's great, too, though. Awkward moment. <laughs> I brought you into what I'm talking to God about. I talked to God about all that. I said, I enjoy my wife. He said, that's good. I said, I enjoy completed tasks. It kind of sounds strange, huh? I mean, let me let's just do a quick survey. I want to see how many of you are in the church because I don't know how many of us there are. 
How many of you like to, like, I'll use the example, and you can put whatever example you want. But I like, I like to cut the grass, weed eat, blow the concrete off, spray the porches if they need be, and then go get me a big glass of water and sit down and look at it. How many of you like that? Come on, raise your hands. Come on, there's, there's got to be one or two more, please. Okay, all right. I'm normal. If there is such thing as normal. Or I'm in the right tribe. But I, I, like, I, like, I, like, I like completed tasks. I like to wash my truck and then to see it clean. I like to wash my truck and then get in my truck and go to town. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like they, there's a few stores along 190 that got good mirror-type windows. I'll drive by and be like, oh, them rims looking tight, boy. And you get in and the floor mats are clean, right? Come on. It's like, wow. I enjoy that. Can I just be real with you? I enjoy that. It brings pleasure to my heart. And it... <laughs> it's odd, but it's good. He gives me all this stuff to take care of it, and I enjoy when I get to take care of it, and it looks good. It's almost like I get to say, I took care of it. I enjoy fishing and outdoors. It's relaxing. It's a change of pace. I can't control fishing. I like to go fishing because I can't control it. Right? I can't make the fish bite. I get mad at them. I enjoy the outdoors. I love being outside. I enjoy, the next one is I enjoy God's anointing. It's only been a couple years since I've really got to know God's anointing and, and all that comes with it. And I enjoy his, his anointing because it's like I get to go from being natural to supernatural because of God's anointing. And it has nothing to do with me. And I get to go, man, God used me. Can you believe he used this podunk boy from Franklin, Louisiana with no hair, overweight, but still good looking. Can you believe? <laughs> I had to give myself some credit. A little too much beat down going on. But like, can you believe God's anointing would come on me and he would use me? And, and there's been times I sit in situations and say something and go, wow, that's good. I need to write that down. I enjoy his anointing. I enjoy his gifts flowing through me. The next thing is that I enjoy his presence. I enjoy his presence in my quiet times, and I really enjoy his presence here with you, just like this morning, just like right now. I love it when God's tangible in the room. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you know he's there. There's a weightiness that comes over you, and it's like, ooh, the Lord's in the room. And then the, the last thing I wrote down was I like and I enjoy the feeling of, that comes after a good cry. Yeah. I had a good cry, y'all. It was a good one. After I finished crying that day, I sat back and honestly I felt more free than I felt in a long time. I felt more pure. I felt clean. I felt refreshed. It was like I took a spiritual bath. And I know the, the macho spirits in the room. And, oh, what's wrong with Pastor? He went on break, came back a sissy. <laughs> Say what you want. I'm refreshed. I took a bath. You didn't. Here's the big profound thing God said to me. 
I tell him everything that I like, that I enjoy. Not everything, but I told him a bunch of things that I enjoy. This is, you ready for this? This is what he said to me. He said, I like those things too. Let's do them more often. That's all he said. I enjoy those also. Let's do them more often. And so I'm sitting in this cabin in the woods, in the, in the mountains of Colorado, and it's cool outside, and I just had a great time with the Lord, and, and he didn't say anything that was like, that shook the earth. He was like, I enjoy that too. Let's do it more often. He said, if that's how you know me, then enjoy that, and you'll discover more of who I am. He said with the responsibility thing is stop taking my responsibility away from me and you do your responsibility. And I went, and so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there and and I'm going, thanks for talking to me about my issues. (laughs) I really appreciate it. It was good. Sorry I waited so long. And I kind of chuckled and I said, I take things serious, don't I? And he said, yep. <laughs> he said, but I made you that way. It's okay. I said, I think I take things too serious, don't I? He said, Yep. He said, it's not that complicated. It's just a relationship. He's invited us into a relationship. Not one that religion has tarnished or complicated. Not one that the church world has made something that it's not supposed to be. Not something that's over-theological. He's invited us into a relationship. And in that relationship is where I find health, where I find help, where I find meaning, where I get validated, where I get affirmed, where I get strengthened, where I get encouraged, it's in those relationships. It's in that relationship that I find. That's the source of all that for me. That was a great time. Might not seem like much to you, but it was sure a lot to me. This is what's funny, is we came back, and we had the chance to go out to to supper with some friends of ours. And in the past, I've been, I've struggled to enjoy relationships, because I felt like I always had to be something in front of you. Like I always, like I couldn't stop being pastor. I always had to, you didn't, nobody made me do this. I did this myself. And so we went out to eat the other day with some friends and all that was gone. All that anxiety of I got to be a certain way, say a certain thing, be ready to answer any questions and all this stuff, all that was gone. The pressure was gone. And it was about midways through the night with these friends and I went, dang, this is nice. I get to enjoy this. I don't have to be something. I don't, nobody, I don't, I just, I can enjoy this good pleasure of having friends and having a good time. And that night when the night was over, I told Cheryl, I said, that was incredible. 
And here's what's funny. The next day or so, we met with our sabbatical coach, and I told him what, what had went on, and he said, you know what's funny? He said, that was probably more ministry than anything else you've done. Honest, pure fellowship. I'm glad to be back. I'm excited about where God's taking us. I want you to know that Cheryl could do her own message on this if she wanted to. God spoke to her the same way or differently. Her and God got this early morning thing. I'm not into that. (laughs) I'm a good 9 o'clock time, you know what I'm saying? She's like 4 or (laughs) 5. It ain't because she wants to. (laughs) I just want you to know we're, we're hearing from God. Our heart is, is better than it's ever been. I want you to trust us. I've made mistakes in the past. I'm not going to cry about them. I'll apologize for them. I'm sorry for trying to be things that I shouldn't have been, taking responsibility I shouldn't have taken. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for us. I'm ready to run. I told Pastor Josh, I said, Cheryl and I are ready to run. Not run from the church but run within the church. Amen? Amen. To build God's kingdom, to see this region changed. I'll leave you with this. Last night, as I was prepping for this, wasn't much prep work, but as I was prepping for it, the Lord spoke to me again about something else. And this is how our relationship has changed. He speaks to me about something else. I grab my journal, I write it down. It's something somewhat prophetic about what's coming down the road. And after it was done, I said, man, that's good, Lord. He said, yeah, it's going to be good. I said, okay. He said, and this is what he told me. He said, you don't have to uh, go over your message anymore if you don't want to. You got it. You'll, You'll be okay tomorrow. Or you can if you want to. I said, okay. And this is what he said. Tomorrow's going to be good. And when he said that, it changed the dynamic of our relationship. He said, tomorrow's going to be good. It was like a daddy talking to me. See, I don't know what a daddy is. Tomorrow's going to be good, son. And I, and I started crying, and I said, that's what I've been longing for. He's faithful to do his part. Amen? Amen. Can we pray? Lord, I'm so grateful for all that you're doing in and through all of us. God, this relationship of ours is is really unique. How you relate to each one of us is so unique. I'm grateful that you don't just run us over and bark orders like, change this and change that. But God, you're gentle. You're kind. stand from an outward position and say fix this or fix that you actually come in real close and say let me me help you walk out of this let me speak some truth to this let me walk with you, let me heal you let me reset you you love us so much 
to be in deep relationship with us. Oh God, if we could only long to be in a relationship with you like you long to be in a relationship with us. You're so faithful. perfect in all of your ways. You care deeply about us. God, I pray that every one of us in this room today would draw close to you. Every one of us would push aside the and the anxiety and the tomorrows and the stressors and all those things and sit with you. God, may we be a church that knows how to be still and know God. May we be a church that walks with a quieted soul, a church that walks with a healthy heart, filled with the joy of the Lord, filled with ambition, to just do things with God, filled with, with, with an ambition that's healthy, not an ambition that's trying to get something from somebody else or accolades, but God, just an ambition to just do things with you. May we be a church that walks in your power, but we also walk in your character. That we're kind. Gracious, merciful, gentle, loving, and caring for those around us. Thank you for sorting things out. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.